This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. Now that you've learned that you have to arise, come on, you got to get up. You got to do something. Appropriate your faith. It's good to be back in Zimbabwe. I think this morning's message explains to you now why I get on that plane and fly. I was asked this morning how I met Pastor Tom, and we met in Honolulu, Hawaii. And we met, and you know the story, we've told it many times. He was looking at me sideways, I was looking at him sideways. He was more suspect of me than I was of him. (laughs) And we had this union, and it was on a trolley riding through Honolulu, Hawaii, that we divinely made covenant. You hear him talking about relationships, and Bonnie was there, and um, some reason we just fell in love with each other. No nonsense. What you see with Pastor Tom and Bonnie is what you get. This man is as consistent a man as any man I've ever met in my life. We talk about deep things, yea, the deep things of God. And then we laugh because I tell you what keeps him sane living in Zimbabwe, his sense of humor. Because pastoring you guys, you have to have a sense of humor. (laughs) Can I get three people to say amen? I mean, when you look at what you've been able to accomplish here, some of you who used to run barefoot through Mbari, some of you who used to panhandle on these streets and you're sitting in here today dressed and clothed and in your right mind in one of the most beautiful facilities not just in Zimbabwe but in the world when you look down your road do me a favor look down your road look down both sides of the road look down and God used you to do it you got to have a sense of humor well I tell you this much God's got a sense of humor I said, God's got a sense of humor. (laughs) I want to get through this. I have my few minutes here, and I'm going to start my timer and get it going. I'm going to start it about 10 minutes from now. But um, to everybody, God bless you. The people that came with me, the people that are here, and again, to my friend and brother, one of the greatest apostles, leaders, teachers, pastors in the world, Pastor Tom Duchelle. Put your hands together and thank God for him. He's taught you what to do. My assignment, I believe, this morning is to exhort you to do it. All right? So we're going to go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, and these scriptures will be on the screen. And then I'm going to read Matthew 16, and old and new. Pastor Tom has already told you that there's some Old Testament things that's called an Alexandrian hermeneutic where we find something in the Old Testament and we can make application in our current existence as people. It's important to know that. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. 
And then in Matthew 16, a verse that I believe is connected to Genesis 1, verse 18 and 19. Well, verse 18. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, one verse, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I need 10 people to say amen. And I, God spoke this to me on the plane, 38,000 feet in the air over the Atlantic Ocean. The topic, church, it's time to arise and reign. Say it with me. Church, it's time to arise and reign. Father, thank you for this time. I bless you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Put your hands together for the word of the Lord. You know that's my custom. So uh, Pastor Tom has taught us, now I'm going to exhort you to do what he said. That's what preaching does. Preaching is to encourage you. You can say to dry bones in preaching and hear the word of the Lord and dry bones can become an exceeding great army. You can preach um, to people who are destitute and defeated and people who are barefooted and enslaved and just give them a word. They can hear something like, let my people go. Overhear it and start packing up to get out of Dodge. So here we go. There's a question asked around the world right now. And the question I hear it often is, where is the church? Or where are the people of God? In the book of Romans chapter 8, it talks about a day when God is going to reveal who his children are. The earth is groaning for this manifestation of the children of God. And so, brothers and sisters, I believe the stage is being set for us, the people of God, to appear. I believe that the stage is being set for us to show up front and center. On one hand, our world is so convoluted with so many false teachers and false Christ that it's becoming more and more difficult to determine what the children of God even look like. There's so much counterfeit out here. There's so much phony out here. There's so much out here in the name of the Lord that it's kind of hard to determine. Uh, sometimes, to be candid with you, I don't even want to let people know that I'm a Christian based on the way some Christians present Christianity. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I never want to deny the faith. I never want to deny my Christ. But there's just sometimes it's just not safe for me or not good for me to affiliate or associate with certain people who claim to be children of God. I heard Pastor Tom last night talking about uh, Rhema Church and how powerful God had given him the vision and what he was doing and this guy. Uh, who didn't believe that that was God and what he was doing of God, driving his new Mercedes-Benz and Tom just putting along in his little, two little jalopies. And, and it's kind of hard to explain when you look at, well, who is God's, who belongs to God, and who does not belong to God. So it's pretty obvious you can't just look at it with material things. So there has to be something else that people ought to, be able to see in us that says we are the people of God. All right, brothers and sisters, I believe the stage is set. Now, on the other hand, it has gotten so dark out here that if you only have a little bit of light right now, 
people can notice you. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Oh, this little, see, your little bit of light can shine when it's very dark. And we're living in dark times. So let your light so shine before men that others might see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Three people saying, amen. So light, we found out, works best in the dark. So the question becomes, what do you look for? I'm convinced of this. Manifestation marks those who are God's children. Did you get that? Nobody remembers the poor man. Without manifestation, without substance, without something. The children of Israel came up out of Egypt with the promise of something. A land flowing with milk and honey. I don't believe they would have moved had they not known that where they was going, there was something there for them. Some of you right now, you will not continue the journey in the things of God. Or it's hard to continue the journey. You will sit there like a crocodile by the lake as long as you can sit there if you don't know that there's some place that you're going and there's something that God has for you. There's some place that you're going and there's something that God has for you. In other words, you know this ain't it. You know that what you have right now can't be the end of the story. You know that all that you possess, as little as it is, can't be the very reason why Jesus saves you, brought you out of darkness, and put you into the kingdom of his dear son. It doesn't stop right here. You know that there's a purpose and a destiny for you, and you've got to have somebody to encourage you to get there. And that's what I've come from Jacksonville, Florida, to do as many times as I've come here to get you from where you are to where you're supposed to be. To move you towards your destiny. So the question becomes, what do you look for? I believe manifestation. So the word says all creation is groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God. Waiting on God to reveal who his children really are. This brings me to another question that needs to be answered. And it's just as important as where is the church? And that question is, what is the church? What is the church? What, what many people call the church is woefully not the church. We know that. We need a strong ecclesiology. That's one of the three key pillars for a successful ministry. A strong ecclesiology, that is the nature and the structure of the church. We also need new methodologies and strategies to keep up with the times. And of course, we need the power of God. Those three things will build a strong ministry. So then we realize if we understand ecclesiology and what the church is, then we need to understand what the church is not. And it's not a building. It's not a secret society. It's not a denomination. And it's definitely not our church. Jesus said, upon this rock, I'll build my church. It's his church, it's his people, it's his word, it's his spirit. So the church is the body of Christ. Many members, one body. If then that's the case, then uh, we should be the people that are representing Christ in the earth. He's the head, we're the body. I remember a time when people feared and, and revered the people of God. I remember a time when people reverenced and were trembling at the presence of just the fact that the people of God were in the land. 
Uh, if you remember when they were spying out the promised land and Rahab told the spies that the people of the land are afraid that you guys have come here. They've heard about what God did for you in the wilderness. They heard about how God delivered you, how God had worked through uh, them and how God had given them victory over the kings and how he had fought for them, given them water from a rock, cloud by, cloud by day, fire by night, manna every morning. God gave slaves four things. He gave them deliverance, breakthrough, plunder, and new levels of influence and dominion. I'm preaching better than y'all looking at me. He brought them out. He brought them through. He gave them the riches of Egypt and guided them to a place of abundance and dominion. God did that for people who were no people. When they were barefooted and enslaved to a wicked government, God told Moses to go down and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. They were barefooted and enslaved, but God says they were my people. And I don't care what your condition is now. I don't care where you are now. If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you're his people. Even if you're not even a believer yet, good God Almighty, we have to first of all be lost in order to be found. And so God can put a claim on you before you ever claim him. I'm preaching, I'm preaching. So the world knew who the people of God were because of the manifestation of God at work in their lives. Non-believers marveled at the way that God provided for his people. And here we go. I believe that the hour is coming and now is where people are about to marvel once again at God's power at work in our lives. I believe that it's time for our testimonies to change. I think we're going to go from I'm believing God to look at what the Lord has done and look at what God is doing in and through my life. God is going to bless you for the corporate good of the body, though, because we have a corporate destiny. It's called the concept of synergy, where the sum total of the individual parts equal more than the individual parts by themselves. That we can do more together than we can apart. God is going to pool our resources and our commitment to the vision of a man or a woman of God that opens heaven over us, and God's going to move on our behalf. So last night and this morning should have awakened you that someone needs to teach us how to get wealth and how and to teach us what the wealth is for we must discover and come to understand that we have a legal right to whatever it is that God has purposed for us both corporately and individually our original design is found in Genesis 1:28. I read the verse be fruitful multiply increase and take dominion be fruitful multiply increase and take dominion we are designed to be fruitful and to multiply to to increase, to subdue, and to take dominion. It's in our DNA to be blessed and to prosper. It's in our DNA put in there by God to increase and to multiply. Fruitful, multiply, increase, take dominion. Adam had everything going for him. This was a commission. This was God's man. God had put this in Adam, but Adam blew it. But Jesus got it back for us. In Romans 5, 18, Consequently, just as the result of one transpass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, many will be made righteous, put back together, brought back right before God, made to be able to stand before God, but 
back into the image of God. So we've been handed victory through Christ, but we can never forget that we're yet at war. Pastor Tom told you about the powers of darkness. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places. We are wrestling against witchcraft and voodoo and hoodoo and black magic and all types of occultic activity. The times in which we live makes us keenly aware of our need to fight. We've got to fight now like we've never fought before. How many of you have found that out, that you're fighting now greater fights than you've ever fought before? We've got to fight the fight of faith. It's called the good fight of faith. The fight that we're in is over our faith. So we must fight for our families and fight for our finances and fight for our inheritance and fight for our peace and fight for our joy and fight for our oh, y'all not helping me. I'm going to preach myself happy though. You know how I do it. So we've got to stop stretching our hands towards stuff and claiming it. And we've got to start putting our feet on stuff. And in order to do that, you've got to arise and you've got to go in order to possess. So in order to put your feet on it, you've got to arise. You saw the simple illustration. I thought that was just wonderful. I'm stealing that. I'm going to take it back to the United States of America. I'm going to hold a $20 bill on the end of our step right there. And I and listen, listen, ain't nobody going to be running down there grabbing that 20. I'm going to have to put a $100 bill in my hand because they know that $20 bill ain't going to help them in the United States of America with inflation like it is. But I'm going to do it and it's going to be a, a sign to some people that you've got to arise. You've got to get up. You've got to move your feet. You have to make an effort. You have to do something. You have a responsibility. It's not coming to you. You've got to go to it. David says, should I pursue? God said, pursue and you shall recover it all without fail. But you won't recover it if you don't pursue. You won't get it if you don't get up. It's not coming to you. I'm going to say it again. You've got to go to it. That's why you've got to offer from that praise every now and then because you have to create an atmosphere to where God can abide in it and God can move for you without your praise, without your worship, without your prayer, without you getting in the word of God. God has nothing to work with but I promise you if you will pray, if you will praise, if you will worship, if you'll get in the word, if you'll fellowship, if you'll share your faith, if you'll give God's got something to work with. We got to give God something to work with. You can't sit there like a crocodile by the lake and expect God to move on your behalf. If you're bored, uh, then you can expect boredom. But if you know that God is willing to do anything uh, for you, then you've got to do something in order for God to do it. Let me go now because the times in which we live dictate also militancy and aggressiveness. If I could be your spiritual weatherman this morning and operate in the spirit of the sons of Issachar, here's what I say to you. What's happening in Zim is happening all over the world. Every nation suffers from the effects of diverse, unbridled sin and hedonism. Our economies are manipulated and controlled by the corrupt few, and they're driven by what feels good. If it feels good, do it. That's what hedonism is all about. America is home to hedonism. Hollywood pumps out the movies, the movie videos, and the things that is infecting even other continents and all of those in the world. We live in the bed 
of hedonism. And so while we're seeking pleasure, we're ignoring, ignoring cultural perversions, governmental corruption, gang violence, drug abuse, and abject poverty in cities, not just here, but all over the world. The last time I was here, I, in October, I left you guys, or September, and I flew to Melbourne. Think about it. While I was on the plane, I got a USA Today, and here's what it said, Tom. I don't know how accurate it is, but it said that Harare was voted the worst city to live in in the world, one of the top five worst cities to live in in the world. Did anybody ever read that? Am I reading that by myself? Oh, y'all scared to talk about that one. Okay, I, I didn't come. Remember, Zimbabwe, House of Stone. You know, I'm your boy. We down. You know, I come. that's why I come here. Don't look at me. <laughs> Don't look at me like that. We know what we're talking about, right? But it was one of the worst economies in the world. When I flew to Melbourne, Australia, I went home two days, left and went to Melbourne, Australia, and it's been voted the best city and the best economy in the world for the last five years. Zimbabwe, one of the worst for the last five years. Melbourne, one of the best for the last five years. So I went from the worst to the best. And I was able to make this comparison. And what I found in Melbourne really didn't line up to what the USA Today had to say about it. The people in Melbourne were boring. You think you're boring. These people were boring. I mean, these people were cold and callous. These people were indifferent. These people were lethargic and apathetic. These people had fallen away from the faith and they're giving heed to seducing spirits and doctors of devil. This is one of the less Christian nations in the world. I mean, this was absolutely bizarre. I'm saying, and this is the best economy and this is the best place to live in the world without God. I said somebody needs to call the USA today and somebody needs to send them down uh, a street in Bardale and send them to a place called the Celebration Center and see some people who live in the midst of a jacked up economy and yet they keep their praise before God and they got joy unspeakable and full of glory. Somebody throw your head back and shout glory. You got more going on for you than Melbourne. Bump Australia. We in Zimbabwe. Somebody say Zimbabwe. So I come this week to tell you that God is not shocked at Zimbabwe's false news and false monetary system. A little bit more monitor. He sees and he knows what's happening. So while I speak to you right now, I'm believing God that somebody in this room is about ready to rise up and begin to reign. Rise up. So while I speak, God is raising up a people, I believe, that will represent him at this hour. Now, God knows the economy of Zimbabwe. He knows your lack of resources. And yet, he still expects you to increase, to be fruitful, to multiply to have influence and to impact your society and this great nation. You've got to believe that you've got what it takes. You've got to believe that, as I said in Genesis 128, it's in your DNA. You are the children of the Most High God. Good God Almighty. And the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all them that dwell therein. The silver and the gold belongs to him, and he's our daddy. Y'all not helping me yet. So, we're born for this. We're 
born. Others before us have done their part and have gone on in the great cloud of witnesses cheering us on. But this is our time now. This is God left these conditions for us. He allowed what's going on for us. We're either part of the problem or we're part of the solution. And God expects us to be a part of the solution to work with the manifold grace of God to make a difference in what's going on around us. It's our time now. Tell somebody it's our time now. Tell me it's our time now. So what do we need? We need a militant people. By militant, I mean a fighting, combated, aggressively active as in a cause people, an engaged people. Like David, <laughs> this is going to get good. When he ran to meet the giant, the enemy went out to fight him, and God just showed me this. He went out to fight him based on what he saw. So Goliath shows up nine foot nine inches tall with a shield and a sword, and he comes to fight against this cute little ruddy little fellow named David, and he comes out there, and he, he gets confident to run up against David based on what he saw. Goliath saw David and his shepherd's staff or his stick in his hand. And he said, am I a dog that you come to me with a staff or with a stick in your hand? He saw David's shepherd tool. David was a shepherd. He saw the tool that David used. But what he didn't see was David's shepherd. Y'all not helping me here. Goliath fought based on what he saw. David fought based on who he knew. And they that know their God shall be strong and do great exploits. Exploits. So David said, you come to me with a sword and a spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of all the armies of Israel. And this day, God's going to give me your head on a silver platter. Y'all not helping me here. David knew something. Ah, the giant only could fight based on what he saw. And so the enemy thinks that he's got you based on what it looks like, based on your current condition, based on your lack right now. But what he doesn't know is your God is for you. And if God be for you, who can the same God that delivered me out of the hand of the sheep and the lion is going to deliver this giant into my hand. Whatever God has done for you, God will do for you. If he brought you through that, he'll take you through this. And if he brings you through this, he'll take you through that. And if he brings you through this, he'll take you through that. He doesn't bring you out here to leave you. Somebody shout glory. So then, they that know their God can be strong. So, so like David, this is our year to forcibly advance. God's raising up prophetic voices, voices that speak truth to power, voices that will echo in the ears of the saints of God and release, as Pastor Tom's been teaching us, the potential that's needed to change our cities and nation, the potential that we have. So I come today as a prophetic voice, not a pathetic voice, a prophetic voice, as a voice that can activate the new Hebrew boys. I'm here to call forth the new Josephs. I'm here to summons the new Gideons. Y'all don't get this. What do I mean by the new Hebrew boys? What do I mean by that? She just held up a 15-minute sign. I punched my clock. I got 20 minutes. I'm going by my clock. So what did I mean 
by new Hebrew boards. I punched it right at 45 minutes, so you better leave me alone. My name, Little Daryl. You better leave me alone. So they represented God and his agenda. And the Hebrew boys, what I mean by that, they were thrown into the fire furnace, but they didn't get burned. Why were they not burned and destroyed? Why? If you're already on fire, then the fire can't hurt you. <laughs> Secondly, what do I mean by the new Josephs? I'm talking about in prison, but still walking in integrity, just waiting to be released by God. I don't care if you're on lockdown right now, keep your integrity. I don't care what's going on. Keep seeking God. Don't allow your current conditions to change the way you feel and think about God. I wish Job was here. Uh, the devil said, if I take his stuff, he's going to cuss you. God says, no, Job is a man of integrity. Take all his stuff. Just don't touch his soul. You can have his, every, you can have at his body, but I promise you, he ain't going to cuss me. Can God testify concerning you that whatever the hell you go through in life, that you will not cuss your God, that you will maintain your integrity, that you'll still be able to say, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. After I've been tried in the fire, I shall come forth as pure gold. I know you're out there with your crazy self. You're looking at me. You're trying to be conservative. You're acting like them people in Melbourne, Australia right now. But some of y'all know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that if God God brings you out of this one. If God delivers you out of this one, if God, but in the meantime, you've got to keep on praying, keep on praising, keep on worshiping, keep on giving, keep on in the word, keep on fellowshipping, keep on sharing your faith. So what do I mean by new Gideons? Oppressed now, but full of potential. Broke, but still a mighty man of valor. Get in with threshing wheat in a wine press. And God shows up and says, I see you. Okay, you're still over there living in, in Zimbabwe. I see you. I see you. You're a mighty man of valor. You're a mighty woman of valor. So the government of God, in closing, y'all, is increasing. Our influence in the earth should be increasing. And our impact should be increasing. My time with you is a clarion call to action. It's time to rise up and reign. We don't need a political voice for what's coming. We need a voice that can motivate. We need a voice that can activate. We need a voice that can invigorate the people of God to be the people of God. A voice that says we need to stop having church and we need to start being the church. We don't go to church. We don't have church. We are the church. We need a voice that cries out against the lethargy of preachers and the way we've turned the house of prayer into a social club for the elite. We need a voice that is outraged over lip service to God in here while our streets are taken over by drugs and systemic poverty. We need a voice that doesn't make our preaching styles the issue, but preaching power the main thing. We need a voice that reminds us that custom suits and pretty robes cannot cover our sins. Only the custom robes of righteousness given to us by God through Christ can cover our sin. We've been anointed to bless others. How that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth just like Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power and he went about doing good healing all that were oppressed to the devil for God was with him. This brings me to our text. What we are facing is really no match for us. Our assignment, listen to me Zimbabwe, is not impossible. Matthew 
Matthew 16, 18, Jesus says, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The hell out here in our world is no match for the church of Jesus Christ. The government can shut down. The dollar can continue to depreciate and things can keep on looking bad. But all the church needs to do is rise up and reign. We need an awakening. When Jesus was on that ship asleep on a pillow and they were fearing for their lives, conditions said we're going to die. They didn't go and resurrect Jesus. They went and woke Jesus up. And when Jesus woke up, good God, he changed everything. And when the church wakes up, good God Almighty, it is now high time to awake out of sleep for now is our deliverance nearer than we when believed. We got to wake up and when we wake up, we can speak to the storms. We can speak to the winds. We can speak to the injustice. We can speak to the poverty. We can speak to the lack. We can speak to the ancestral worship, to the cultural weirdness. We can speak to it and say in the name of Jesus, y'all not helping me here. And storms can cease in the lives of people and people can come to know that our God, he is God. There's no man like him. What man of man is this that even the seas and the waves obey him? Some of you have that testimony in your lives. You were no good, good for nothing, low down, scum of the earth, backbiting, hormongering sinners on your way to hell. But God, who is rich in mercy with his great love, wherewith he loves us, saved you anyhow with your crazy self. God reached out over glory, grabbed you by the hand, brought you out of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. And now it's our responsibility as the church of Jesus Christ to implement the kingdom principles of God in the earth by allowing God to work through us and in us for his glory and not ours. I need about 55 people that know I'm telling the truth to throw your head back and the hell out here is no match for us. But as long as we stay inside these four walls, hell has nothing to fear. We must take the church where the gates of hell are and establish the kingdom of God where the rule of Satan exists. So then, hear me good. Let's see if you remember what I taught y'all several years ago. Our mission is not to go to church. Our mission is not even to go to heaven. Our mission is to go to hell. Even Jesus went down into hell and took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Then he said, upon this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against what? The church. What is the church? An agile, hostile, mobile group of people who've been collectively brought together through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ with a corporate destiny to glorify God. We are supposed to be pressing against the gates of hell. Gates are defensive mechanisms designed to keep something out and to keep something Something in. So the enemy steals. He's a thief. He comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. He takes it and puts it behind his gates. And so God says in the next verse, he gave Peter the keys. He gives us the keys. Good. Now what are these the keys to? Of death, hell, and the grave. That he took the keys of the kingdom so we can go and unlock the gates of hell and take our stuff back. So y'all not helping me here. He didn't save you just to go to church. He didn't save you just to go to heaven. But he saved you and put you on a mission 
person to go to hell. You got to go to hell to get your joy back, your peace back, your righteousness back, because that's what he comes to steal. So if you want to help me preach this message right now, look at somebody and tell them, go to hell. Help me, William. Help me, William. It's time that we go to hell to implement kingdom principles. So that gets me in my five minutes I have left. That gets me to our original design. Genesis 128, be fruitful and multiply, replenish, subdue. In the garden, man fell and lost it all. But Jesus came and made it possible for us to get it back. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He purchased it with his own blood. Now he's given it to us and it's time for the people of God to manifest. God wants to reveal who the rightful owners to the deed. We can go before the courts of heaven and claim that which is right, oh my God, which is rightfully ours. He saved us to own something. He saved us to have something. He saved us to be something. He saved us to possess something. He saved us to do something. God brought his people out of slavery in Egypt into eventual abundance. He brought my ancestors through slavery and has brought me to abundance. What's this abundance? I come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. Y'all looking at me funny, but my ancestors, I trace my ancestry and I go back over to the Liberia somewhere, my mom and them, and they brought them over on slave boats. And then they put them in a system that wasn't designed for slaves to survive. They put them in a a system that was uh, uh, over and against the the people just because of culture and even because of melanin, because of skin tone. People who were no people and, and put them in a bondage situation and for 400 plus years kept them in slavery in the United States of America. But God began to raise up deliverers and God began to raise up spokespersons and God began to raise up the character and the king that was in some of us came up out of us. The prince that was in some of us came up out of us. The queen that was in some of us came up out of us. Come on, the princess that was in some of us came up out of us. And we started thinking about who we really are. And no, not just our culture, but when we got connected to Christ, there was a message that says, he that the sun sets free is free indeed. I lived in a culture that wasn't conducive for my prosperity. I lived in a culture where I couldn't drink from the same fountains as other people. I live in a culture where I had to ride the back of the bus. I lived in the culture where I had to go through the back door before I can enter in. And now I own the door. Now I own the building. Now I own the place. Come on, talk to me here. Abundance. Y'all think I'm playing with you. Abundance. So then, God's getting ready to position his church to possess what he promised. And I take his time right now that we put this to a vote. How many of y'all right now are ready to put this to a vote? How many of you right now are ready to say, all right, Bishop, tell us what we need to do. Put it to a vote. How many of y'all are ready to put it to a vote? How many of you want to rise up and reign before you see Jesus again? That wasn't just a rhetorical kind of like throw your hand in the air, wave it like you just don't care, and you rock. No, that was like you want to rise up and reign before the Lord Himself come. 
because beloved now are we the sons of God and it does not yet appear what we shall be but we know that when he shall appear we shall be like him and we shall see him as he is but listen to this before you get to heaven you need a little heaven on earth before you see him in glory come on y'all you got to begin to acclimate yourself to what heaven is going to be like let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven thy kingdom come thy will be done I need about 55 people right now to the sound of my voice who are ready to say yes to being rulers and reigners yes to arising and reigning yes to being more than conquerors yes to being overcomers are you ready on the count of three I want you to let out the biggest shout the biggest yes the biggest amen the biggest whatever you got in your spirit if you want to reign with Jesus on the count of three three one two three shout 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 yes 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 Yes! Yes! Church. Church, it's time. It's time to arise and reign. God bless you. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.